Do you know who was named the best putting mat in 2022 by my golf spy? It was the mats from Birdie Ball. It'll help you sink more putts and make more birdies with a Birdie Ball putting green, all in the comfort of your own home. Check out Birdie Ball online at birdieball.com. Birdie Ball is here to make golf more fun and accessible. Find out more at birdieball.com. Welcome to Grilling at the Green After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. All right. It's that time everybody's been waiting for. It is After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. We've got uh, the biker gang leader himself, C.T. Muscaro, on <laughs> on with us today. If you, uh, you know, if you don't understand that joke, there's a couple of books you should probably read. I'm just going to put that out there. You have to kind of reach out to Chris or me, and we'll and we'll fill you in. But I was surprised that uh, that he <laughs> that you were a your character was a biker. I was just. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised at that too. Of all the things that uh, Keith could have made me, I, I would have never gone down the path that I would uh, be a motorcycle gang leader. But you know, hey, uh, maybe I looked apart. I don't know. I, I don't think I do. I don't but... think so. I mean, we're not the sons of anarchy. We're kind of the sons <laughs> of Advil at this point. You know. <laughs> oh, exactly. Okay, so um, you ready for this? I uh, no, I'm oh, not. So oh, this is. Is peace gate, buddy. Trust, trust me. <laughs> Famous last words. Famous last words. Okay, we'll start with something easy. Okay. Oh, thank you. If you could play a round of golf with one of your golfing heroes, who would it be? They don't have to be on this side of the dirt anymore, you know. But uh, we could bring them back for a round eighteen with you. So that's that's tough because there, there's so many. But I, but my golf idol growing up was Jack Nicklaus. So if I'm going to pick one, yeah. it would be Jack. Okay. And if you could get a lesson from one touring pro, who might that be? That's somebody that's still on the tour right now. So I'm a huge Jordan Spieth fan, and I marvel at his wedge game and his short game and the things that he is able to pull off with a wedge or pitching, you know, whether it's pitching wedge sandals, whatever it is in his hands, the shots that he is able to rescue himself from some of the places that he puts himself. Right. Uh, I think are astounding. So I would love to get a short game lesson from Jordan speed. Yeah. I think he's just. Now nobody yell at me. I think he's just one notch below tiger. He's worked and developed and that. And of course we saw what it was at Chambers Bay in 2015 and all that stuff. But I'm just saying to me, Tiger was the best with the short game and miracle shots, but I think Jordan is right behind him. Yep. I would agree with that assessment. I think you're right. Okay. If, uh, Chris, if you were declared Supreme leader of golf for one day, just one day, but what would you decree as Supreme leader? So there's a, do I only get one or can I, can I give you a couple of things? I'll let you go too. All right. So I, I would decree that if your ball lands in a divot in the fairway that you get a free drop, I hate that rule. 
that you could actually go out there and hit a wonderful drive and find yourself in a vacated divot. Now, now from a great shot, it's a terrible shot and you have to try to recover from that. So I would say you get a free drop from that. And like we talked about in the, in the regular show, you know what, it's time to put the slacks away, fellas. Let's put shorts on and let's go have some fun. I agree. My shorts used to be, I didn't really put shorts on till June. Nobody cares about this. Because if you've seen my legs, you'd really know that nobody cares about this. But the point being is now I start wearing them in April and I don't take them off till almost the first of November. And then yep. when you when you put your pants back on your long pants, it's like, ooh, that feels stupid. Yes. Um, I will tell you a quick story, Chris. A couple, three weeks ago, my wife and I went for our anniversary. We took a few days off, went over to Central Oregon. It's very beautiful there. Played golf at a course I'd never played before with these three retired guys. And these guys were regulars. I mean, three, four days a week regulars, but they had their own set of rules, which was fun and funny. But the first one that really got to me, and I'll only tell you this one, a couple of them went in the trap and they looked at each other and go, well, you go, Chuck. Okay. He goes over there pretty soon. You see both balls flying out to the middle of the freeway. And I looked at him. He goes, we call that ground under repair. <laughs> so I'm looking forward, kind of like your divot rule. I'm looking forward to the day when I retire and I can make up my own rules. There you go. And these As guys played should. fast. These guys played fast. Okay. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite golf book? A favorite golf book? Um I I tell you one that I refer back to a bunch is one that Gary Player wrote and it's and it's titled Don't Choke. Um I find that there's a lot of good advice that he gives in that book about, you know, how uptight we tend to get out on a golf course and right. um I you know, I refer back to that if I'm going to be playing in an event, he's got some good sniglets that uh that I try to keep top of mind, but I would say that's probably my favorite golf book. There you go. Do you remember the first time you ever picked up a golf club? I don't. Um, I, I certainly remember Ken Friend was uh, the, the pro that taught me at a, at a place called uh, T- uh, Tides Country Club yeah. uh, in Seminole, Florida. It was a local municipal golf course. Um, he gave me lessons. I was 12 years old. Um, I don't remember. I, I, I certainly remember my first par. It was on a par three. I'd, I had, uh, you know, hit a bad tee shot. I'd gotten it up, uh, up onto the green and, and made a, a pretty lengthy putt. I'm sure by accident, uh, the, and walked away with the three. That was my first par. And from, from that point on, I was pretty much hooked. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mine was, uh, I'd played some in high school was in college. I was, uh, on Christmas break in Arizona because I worked for some people in Arizona and I'd go back and forth between LA and back. I had my first credit card and I bought a set of golden bears. Nice new bag. I never could hit persimmon worth a damn, but they were there in this and we're playing golf in, in um, I think the Scottsdale country club or something didn't really matter, but I hit this three iron so pure that the, Everybody was kind of a couple of yards ahead of me and they were, and they looked at me and they said, what was that? And I just remember that ball just taken off like a rocket and probably 80 feet in the air. I'm not embellishing. And it just went, and I knew then that I love this game. 
I've never hit a shot like that since, but I love this game. <laughs> I'm with you. There are a lot of shots I hit as a kid that I, I couldn't do today. So yeah, I'm yeah, you. absolutely. Um, Chris, if we put your skills to music, what would the music be? Ooh, my golf skills to music. That's a good question. Never thought about that. Um, I, I would guess if you're asking me right now, what would it be? It would be classic rock, right? It's good. It's old. It's not like it used to be. Right? It's, you know, they don't, they don't do that anymore. Um, it's probably like a, an old vinyl 33 and a third, right? Yeah. You know, it yep, doesn't yep. quite sound as pure as it, as, as it did when it first came out. So I, I would say I'm on probably a classic rock album. There you go. There you go. Um, if you could have dinner with a historical figure, doesn't have to be in the golf world. Who would it be and what would be on the menu? Ooh, what would be on the menu? Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm kind of a culinary guy, so yeah, I gotta get yeah, that, yeah. I gotta get that in there. Yeah. Uh who a historical figure. Who would I want to sit down? Look, I've been fascinated my whole life, and this this occurred before I was even born. But I've been fascinated my whole life with John F. Kennedy. Yeah. And obviously the assassination and all that sort of thing. So that's been something that I've read a ton about over the years and all that sort of thing. I'd I'd kind of want to sit down with, you know, have dinner with him and and understand what he was going for. I mean, I I, I everybody you know has got their own opinion for what he was trying to do and what he wanted to do and what he would have done and all that sort of thing. I guess I would have liked to have picked his brain over dinner to understand truly what he was going for. What would be on the menu? Uh, since, you know, he's a, a Massachusetts guy and I spent uh, a number of years living up on the South shore of Massachusetts, we'd have, you know, lobster would certainly be on the menu. Oh yeah. And all the, all the fixings around that. Oh yeah. Well, that's a have to, that's a have to, we were doing shows up there. Oh, 30 years ago or more. And the week in between, they were kind of back to back shows. My buddy and I and his future wife, we, living in the Pacific Northwest, we get a lot of fish, okay? We have great beef and all that, but we also get a lot of seafood. Uh, my buddy Bruce, he was living in um, Oklahoma at the time. They don't get a lot of seafood there, you know? I think he had lobster twice a day for like 10 <laughs> days straight. <laughs> I'm surprised his ears, you know, didn't get the gout or something like that. But <laughs> I'm just saying, but I've never seen anybody eat that much. And I love lobster, but, you know, I don't like to eat the same thing every meal. He did. He did. Um, what's the biggest mistake you've ever made on the air doing a show? Um, Do tell. Yeah, there's um, a, a couple of things that immediately come to mind. I'm not going to tell you who they are. But on the football side, I had a guy on the show. We had a guy on the show um, that kind of went down a a racist path. Yeah. And I and I couldn't believe it was very early on in our show. And I was so stunned and so taken aback. I, I didn't know what to do after that. Um, I didn't know how to recover from it. Didn't know how to let, you know, this guy, you know, kind of, you know, yeah, you're, you're crazy. This is wrong. I can't believe you said that, you know, and and really get into a confrontational thing and how to steer away. That was a tough one. 
for me. We also had, uh, also on the football side, we had a, a couple of guys from your your local team, the, the Seattle Seahawks, come on and tell us that uh, their coaching staff threw, I believe it was the 1983 AFC Championship game against the LA Raiders. That they threw that game and they proceeded to kind of walk us through how and why they threw that game because they started making defensive play calls that they had never, they hadn't practiced since preseason. Guys didn't know what they were supposed to do, what their assignments were. They were confused. The Raiders started going up and down the field. Um, wow. Yeah, that was that was a pretty startling accusation that that uh, that Seahawks uh, coaching staff threw the game for the Raiders because that's what the NFL wanted. They didn't want the the young Seattle Seahawks at the time. Again, you know, early '80s, they they had only been a team for for a little over half dozen years. They came in the league in '76, and they you know the NFL wanted the LA Raiders in the Super Bowl, not the right. Seattle Seahawks. So this is what happened, and I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah, I've heard stories like that, but I never I never gave much credence, you know. Sometimes it's just a ticked off player, you know, venting a little bit, but that would ma- that would made me go, "Huh?" You know. Yeah. Yep. Um What's one thing you miss about your 20s, Chris? <laughs> Besides the aches and pains, yeah, yeah I'm just gonna say you, you you're talking about the Advil days. Yeah. Uh, I, I I miss I miss two things about it. One, I wasn't in in constant joint pain all over my body, and two, I could eat whatever I wanted, and it it you know didn't seem to amount to any weight gain. I could do it, you know those those things were you know, life was good from a physical perspective back then. So I I certainly miss that, um, you know. And, and now, I mean, I'm you know I'm 58 years old. I've I've got three wonderful children that are all in their mid to late twenties. And, um, you know, back in my twenties, I, I mean, I, the only thing I was responsible for was me. So, you know, now you've got a lot of responsibilities to a lot of people. And, and, uh, so that's, you know, that's a very big, you know, different part of life back then you did what you wanted, when you wanted, how you wanted all that sort of stuff. And it didn't hurt when you did it now, not so much. Yeah, that is true. If I did today, what I did back then, i I probably wouldn't be able to leave the house for a week, you know, and that would <laughs> yeah, just be one day, you know? Yeah. That's the danger. Cause sometimes in my head, you know, I, I'm still 30, you know, years old, right. I still think I'm 30 years old until I start to do whatever it is I thought I could do. And then I realize, uh, you know, as, as Rocky Balboa, you know, said, you know, you, you ain't as young as springtime no more. You know, that's, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> uh, what's the, what's the hardest part of your job? My day job or, or, or doing the show? Uh, let's say your, your show. The hardest part, I, you know, I, I don't know, Jeff, that's, that's an interesting question because look, I, I try to pride myself on doing a lot of research. I get up very early in the mornings, you know, every, every day. And I'm, and I spend a, you know, a couple hours, you know, combing through things because I want to know. I don't want to know the easy stuff, you know, Hey, right. what'd you think about the tournament this past weekend? I mean, you know, Everybody asks that question. Anybody can go on anybody's show and get that answer. You know, that to me, that's not interesting. That's doing somebody else's show. Um, so I like to find out the details. You know, I I, I comb through almanacs. I, I go back to their 
you know, college days and, you know, look at the, you know, the media guides and all that stuff. And so I try to, you know, ask, you know, those kind of questions. So it's, it's, you know, it's tough. You go through it. You got to read, you know, you read a lot of stuff to try to find some, you know, some good questions to ask right, right. from back in the day. Um, but, you know, by the same time, is that the hard part? Yeah. But that's, you know, that's why I do the show. And I, I, I don't bemoan the fact that I, that I do that or have to do that. I, I, I don't have to, I do because, you know, I want to ask the guys and the gals, you know, interesting questions that, that I would want to know, not just, you know, some of the recent stuff. So that's, that's hard. It's, it's time consuming. It's early in the morning when I could probably be getting an extra hour or two of sleep. But by the same token, I think that's what makes the show. So if I didn't want to do that, I, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I will, I will tell you this and this, this not to try to compare myself to you in any way, shape or form, but what I, I had a compliment three, four months ago, when people send me a book to whether it's on the cooking side of what I do or the golf side, I actually read it. I read the book. I don't just take, I, you know, I worked in TV a long time and it, you know, one of the junior producers will take the talking points from the PR person, try to formulate a question. That's the same question, but maybe with a little spin on it. And nine times out of 10, the host has never read the book. My thing is, if you contacted me and said, I, you know, I'd like to send you a book, would you be interested? Yeah. If I say yes, then I owe you the respect to, because I said, okay, to read your material. And, and um, you and I both know how this stuff works, but I think that's, and the, and the, one of my guests said, sent me an email afterwards. He said, I really appreciate being on your show. And I really appreciated the fact that you knew what was in the book, you know, not just yeah. the talking points, but you had, like you said, you have to do the research and get down to the minutia of things. And sometimes you can find one or two quotes in that book that, or, or, you know, declarative sentences or whatever that you can kind of separate that person's thoughts um, and make them think when you're talking to them. So anyway, yeah, uh, that's I, awesome. I, I think that's the, I actually think that's one of the fun things about this job. What's the worst movie you've ever watched? Uh, the worst movie I've ever watched was Pink Floyd, The Wall. You know, back in the day when you used to, you know, midnight movies, right? Right, you used right. To go, to, go to those things. And I remember going in college. My my uh, roommate was a huge Pink Floyd fan. I became a Pink Floyd fan. But I we went to see at the Midnight Theater, The Wall. And that was one of the only movies I've ever wanted to get up and walk out of. I thought, you got to be kidding me. This, this <laughs> is the movie? The guy's <laughs> shaving off his eyebrows. And I got <laughs> You gotta be kidding me! Oh yeah, no, no I'm out. That yeah. was the worst movie I've ever seen. Who's been your biggest influence on you personally? Well, I mean that that can go in a in a bunch of different directions. I mean i've I've got two of the most wonderful parents that that God ever gave to a kid, and I'm so blessed, you know, with my with my mom and my dad, and they've been wonderful supporters of me no matter what I did at any point in time in my life, whether I deserved to be supported or not. They they hung with me on those sorts of things. So uh, they would be my first answer. Um, outside of that, who, who has influenced me? I've been influenced in, in this, doing this show by a lot of different people, a lot of wonderful people over the course of the years that mm -hmm. took me aside and, 
and gave me some pointers. I remember Bill Hillgrove, who was the radio voice of the Pittsburgh Steelers, has been for over 50 years on the football side. And when I was first starting out, I leaned on him. I got, I got to have him on the show and I asked him if he would mentor me. And he gave me a lot of really good tips over those first few years about what to do and what not to do and, and that sort of thing. Uh, so he was a huge influence on me. Um, a lot of the, you know, Bob Lazari is my co-host on the football side. Bob yes. has been in, in, uh, in the media for, for decades up there in Connecticut. Uh, I learned an awful lot from, from listening and watching what Bob does. And then, you know, the, the historical greats that I watch, you know, whether it's on YouTube or wherever I can find stuff, you know, the Bob Costas of the world and, you know, how do they interview people? What, what's their style? How do they go about conducting an interview and conducting themselves during the course of an interview? So yep. I try to look at, you know, all those folks and maybe I get a little bit of piece of, of all of them uh, and put it together. Um, so I, I would say those folks for sure. And then look, I've been lucky enough to have so many legends on both shows. Oh yeah. And, and even getting to talk to some of the legends and just listening to how they conduct themselves. Look, Rocky Blyer has been a huge, uh, uh, part of our show on Thursday night tailgate. He's in our guest hall of fame. Rocky's been on the show a bunch and Rocky has done, you know, a one man show. And he, to me, Rocky is the greatest storyteller ever. I mean, I could listen to rock, tell a story about anything and it's, it's both funny and interesting. Uh, so, you know, I, kind of, I kind of listen, you know, intently to, to folks and how they do their things. And then look, you know, for, for guys like you and me doing this and I, you know, you've been so kind to have me on your show uh, a few times and I try to, you know, pay attention to, you know, how, you do things on how some of the other folks that, you know, you talk about whether it's the, uh, the GNN mafia or the golf mafia or right. whatever, but I try to look at how other people, you know, do things a little bit. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I try to constantly learn because look, I, I, I learned very early on Jeff on both shows. Nobody cares what Chris Mascaro thinks about anything. A, nobody knows who Chris Mascaro is and B, they don't care what he thinks about anything. It's it's all about what my guests think. That's why they decided to tune in that day. Right. right? They, they right. saw the guest list. Say, oh, I want to hear what Mark Kalkovecchia says. I wonder what he saw, thought about the the you know the the eighty nine uh, Open Championship. You know, and uh, so I know that's why they're tuning in. So I try the best I can to ask short questions and get long answers. I, I feel like my my show is best when I talk very little. Yeah. So. And I agree with you, not because you, not about you talking, but those are the best shows. You know, sometimes I get a tendency to run on a little bit, but I try to make the guests think a little bit. And once they get comfortable and open up, then I, I just sit back and take us to break. You know, type, <laughs> type thing. Okay, right. Chris, last question. Okay. What would your meal, what would your meal be? last meal be i should say if you were on death row well i know i'm a, i'm obviously italian so i have you know a great propensity for italian food i mean i'm a huge spaghetti and meatballs guy i'm an eggplant parmesan guy you know those are those are the things if, if i only had one meal to get you know to eat i'd say you know give me give me eggplant parmesan with a side of spaghetti that's that's send me off with that you could have a little uh little ice cream afterwards though 
little yeah. gelato, little gelato go. to go that, out the door right. with. That's um, right. Chris Mascaro, thank you, buddy, for being on the show. I always appreciate your time. Well, I can't, I can't thank you enough for wanting me to come back on the show. I appreciate you uh, having the thought of, let me ask Chris. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, doors open anytime for you. I don't say that Man. to everybody. So <laughs> a lot of them, I probably wouldn't say it to again, but for you, yes. All right, Chris, thank you. you. Um, we're going to get out of here. Everybody have a good week. Go play some golf. Check out Chris's shows. Um, Nick's on the tee and then coming up the uh, tailgate, Thursday night tailgate show six eight weeks from now some something like that that's right that, that's right yeah okay we'll do that i'm still going to be doing this and we'll keep you informed of one a live broadcast we're doing up in tennessee in about three weeks and then how this show is going to television uh right after the first year so for chris and myself we thank you for listening i hope you had a good time uh, go out there play some golf be kind and take care everybody <laughs>